0: present live channeling and streaming um i'm here with this amazing there's so many words that i could use to describe the being um yogi is probably the fastest word that uh, puts it all together alchemist also um is it gianna purcell is that proper name hmm Um, yeah, I first met you digitally and I just saw your practice and was like, whoa, that's kind of a mirror of what I'd like my practice to move towards. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I started taking your classes and then I think I'm more familiar with the medicine during pandemic, like first months of lockdown. Um, and then saw that it wasn't just like a Hatha yoga based practice that you were kind of sending out into the ethos, but really like Siddha and, uh, you know, like a form of Raja Yoga, a bit more of the uh, higher dimensional offerings of aiding and assisting those that desire clarification of the self and um, kind of, you know, a minimization of suffering that goes beyond just physicality, um, which all in itself is like a lot. And then you play drums and then you ride motorcycles,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, I'm sure it's probably pointed at often in your in your time, and I, I'm sure you're, you're used to it by now, but your tattoos are also part of like your medicine, I think. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like several nodes that I would love to dive into, but I mean, I, I just want to start humanistically, because we haven't really spoken a while, and just be like, how are you? What's present in your field right now? What, what, uh, what's activated and very alive for you? And um where are you? You're in, you're in Tucson, Arizona right now.
1: I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Um I'm in my home here. I've been uh creating just like um a, a little sanctuary for myself. I'm always doing something around my space to just uh have it near me or me to mirror it. Um but yeah, humanly I'm feeling big shifts. I you know, I think this is Just kind of how anything goes with existence being, um, for me, like, you know, finding uh, solace in the punk scene as a kid and in the uh, tattoo world and in these, like, other little um, pockets of, like, subculture, which really are just other cultures, um, that kind of, like, feeling of outcast or feeling not included or... um, feeling like something's amiss it doesn't have to be like oh i'm on the outskirts of something but really feeling currently for me that there's lots of these like polarities and um big uh big i don't know like personalities that are being presented and i don't feel the need to be a bigger personality and in the yoga world i'm feeling a shift to kind of train change my track i've obviously i've been doing yoga for the last 15 years but i've been teaching yoga for the greater chunk of that and um while i don't think it's something that i'll ever stop doing it's definitely i'm definitely being pushed into a different a direction that is in alignment of but in a different as far as like my you know financial needs being met Um, I'm just kind of shifting right now. So I'm very much in an in-between ground of, of places.
0: Nice, I feel that. Um, I, I resonate with and I relate to your use of word uh, or use of like descripting, feeling like outlier, feeling like outcast. And I mean, you grew up in Arizona or somewhere else in America?
1: No, I grew up in Chicago.
0: Got gotcha. you so Midwest I'm born and raised in Michigan pretty much
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um I I kind of feel like a river to follow and then whenever your canoe shows itself just start paddling um so I there's something really interesting here that yeah bear with me as I find the grip on it but like I, I see you as such like a beautiful mirror for anyone who comes to your, cha- your page and your channel. You're you're really just giving permission to be authentic self. And I see you as, you're, you're in that as sadhana, you're in that as dharma, you're in that focus as drishti, but you're also like drunken boxing with like these other extra extraterrestrial and extracurricular kind of activities that disassemble any ability to be like, oh, she's a bu- and like a that's yoga teacher box um like there's some type of trauma that i i see it as like a it's not just an american thing but it's potentially heightened in america more than anywhere else in the world where it's identity box compression label giving culture and um man, I want to, I want to know what your experience is about identity as, as a whole, but like also coming up in a, in a Roman Catholic Christian culture, that's super, I experience it as violent. And I mean, I may, I'm still learning all the proper terms. Um, but I, I'm also, I suppose, potentially a bit more blunt and less refined in my proper education of Politically correct or specific terminology, but I think I'm like a cis white gender male, um, straight like all of the things that uh, that can be checked off with that association. But like from close family members, you know, being like, you should read the Bible, and be like, man, you should read like, you know, you should do shiva namaskar. Like, how about how about not? Um, I read I read the book of Luke looks like pretty good stuff but it also kind of looks like metaphysical training wheels like um, like I read I read stuff from and I have a relationship with Yeshua Yeshua is a different word complex than the word Jesus and for me that's like a whole topic and it's also a primary dharma of mine because I see this as Main, mainly being one of the main swords of distortion of the western world is that j word which didn't even exist in hebrew it's a whole thing but i found my awakening through yoga um psychedelics integrating into this thing that i wanted real clear understanding of the word christ because the word christ seemed to be used a lot and um, as context uh, as from my karmic structure which i wanted to also understand what the frick was karma what does that all what does that imply why why did I get this? And somebody else got that.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: grew up on a rock and roll tour and my dad is like pretty much God with a guitar as far as I can tell. And I'm going to Africa every year and I'm seeing people living very different lifestyles than me. So as, you know, as a teenager, I, was, I didn't know that that was called karma, but I was staring at it really disturbed as to why I'd be given something. And this Roman Catholic Christian reality bubble made me feel really bad about it really instilled this primordial sense of guilt of sin and and wrongness and then sexuality and sexual identification became really confusing um so identity became like a dharma point as well in that um but all, all in all this this kind of christian folklore that seems to be you know, it's, I call it Roman rape culture, because it's not Christian, it's not Christic, it's not crystalline, it's something else, it's that the Romans kind of edited, so that's a bunch of different tapestry notes, yeah, we're, we're in this river, and I mean, um, you know,
1: I, maybe- I, it sounds like we have a similar upbringing,
0: please, please, yeah,
1: um, and I, I find that you can be like, I grew up Roman Catholic as well. I went to Catholic school all my life. You can be a a religious person, but that doesn't mean that you're a spiritual person. And you can be a spiritual person, but that doesn't mean that you're um, religious in this way that is this kind of like, I go to church, I follow this religion, right? And I think spirituality is the one thing that kind of um, can, there's new research on it, but is an antidepressant, you know, this kind of like recognizing all your physical intersections. Okay, yes, I'm a, a white cisgendered woman who is a lesbian who grew up in a, Um, middle upper class family and no like all these different things are ways to navigate the physical world which is necessary because we're not only part of a story but we're telling a story and we're part of other people's stories so to kind of understand our character we understand the physical world and how we appear and show up in it but it can't stop there because then it's oppressive An aspect of spirituality is necessary for our full spectrum life for us to like, for me, my belief system is sure Hindu based has sprinklings of um, Tibetan lessons in it, but still is like I still grew up Roman Catholic my mom is first generation Italian it's very um steeped into every way that I was raised and so it's still part of say my religion but I am not I don't subscribe to a religion but what it did do for me is especially in those you know when like your root is developing in those first zero to seven years of existence to instill some sort of um I don't know, definition or feeling of spirituality is important. And so I feel like that's what people use religion for because otherwise they don't know how to see. What I see is we, like you said, your dad is God with a guitar. I see anyone that is living their life's purpose, a God with a insert, you know, whatever there, when you see someone in deep passion, you're like, that awe is you being in the sight of God to me. yeah, It doesn't have to be the same, right? And people have spiritual experiences when they're walking in nature, when they're singing, when they're creating, when they're praying, and all of that is to instill spirit. So there, to me, the ability to flow between all of these is to be part of the existence that we've been placed into right like we're on this world for a reason we don't need to try to escape it and just just be spirit
0: right uh if if i may there's a cool entrance point here um because i feel like and i don't mean to like hyper hyper laser beam christianity as a as a I, I give it as context. Like I know several beautiful souls that identify as Christian and that I just, I experienced nothing but lovingness from them. Mm-hmm. However, I've also experienced this really subtle silent judgment behind these still eyes that I've talked to a mentor about it. And it's uh, she gave me the term. Uh, it is the denial of the kingdom. It's mm-hmm. like this silent judgment that you're not Christian and oh, oopsies, it's like, but it's this—it's this implication of what, for me, feels like a really um, a kind of immature development of metaphysical understanding of like the nature of things. So, in that respect, you talk about the physical stuff. Which, um, hey, if you're listening to this, you know we we some alchemists, so you might have to do some googling on some terms, but we'll also provide some context. So, I remember when I saw the first the the, the diagram of the koshas which are basically the, the layers of the body, I saw um, this understanding that I had identity that wasn't even showing up in my physical self. And then I'm seeing my, my family and I'm like, man, that's my identity also. I'm seeing my nearby culture. That's my, it's part of me. I'm not, I'm not a different pigment. And I'm not in a different geography. This is technically geographically karmic structure also. Um, where do you look at assisting another and both of us in this kind of path of yes, we're also constantly working on chiseling the granite of our own what we are ha, what we have been given, which is what I see karma as is what what has been given, what is um some workable, some less workable, some maneuverable, some more, uh, more fine and less movable. Um, where do you see that work when you, when another comes to you and like, it's something my dad points as well. And I see it as like a kind of a gap in cultural understanding as well. Sometimes where it's like, someone be like, yeah, but that's okay. They're, they're living their amount of fulfillment. But for me, when I work with a trauma patient or somebody, it's like, man, if, if you're not experiencing bliss on a daily basis, that might be moving towards depression soon. And I don't know about y'all, but I've known someone who I've known two people at this point that at different stages in my life, they were my best friend and they manually departed this world through an action of taking their own life. So for me, it's like, mm, they're okay. It's like, that's actually not it. This whole thing of Raja Kriya Yoga, I did my sadhana because I wanted to tangibly know my Dharma. I I I did these kriyas because they s- helped me see clearly what was most real that I realized more and more I was kind of unconsciously I over identifying with my physical conduit that if I didn't have clarity on that's actually what would amplify my suffering my misidentification and yeah probably lessen the amount of bliss that I experienced so um yeah, to that point of you saying like anybody who's in their full dharmic alignment and, and bliss body, they're they're activating bliss on a daily basis. Um, but that's also dopamine, you know, probably high levels of dopamine, and, and hopefully lower levels of cortisol getting released. But how do you how do you move? How do you interface with that scenario of hyper identification with physical self, and especially in culture right now, there's almost like a war going on of like, that's not what I am it's like whoa sorry it's what you look like well that's wrong of you and that's an implication of that you're on and it's like whoa we're hyper in this echo chamber of physical identity some are experiencing dharmic alignment and, and bliss realization some are faking bliss realization for for like social media sharing what what is all that assembling your reality as
1: yeah well so the goal is to move fluidly through the koshas, right? To not be stuck in anyone. And to be able to do that, we have to understand the first one that we see, that we touch, you know, because we're not babies anymore. You know, that like you at some point real you are the world to you as a baby, right? And then you realize your hand and you're like, wait a second, you know? So we start to identify with this tangible stuff and we forget all of the other Uh, blissful things that we were gifted as like we're all born these like spiritual beings of the earth it's why we don't know that there is anything but our experience as a baby right and so as we depending on how we're how we are raised our environment the uh, amount of love that we receive as we age we are able to move freely through those now, in some societies, you're, if you express yourself in any way that is slightly different, you feel like you need to be in the box that someone's creating and uh, you just don't fit in that box. Like I said, I found solace in the punk world because it was the, they were the outliers, you know? And Well, maybe I wasn't like, oh, I'm gay and I can't be gay, which, you know, was the case in some pockets of my family. Um, It was more like, I just feel different and nobody's letting me feel different. And, you know, you, you introduce people as being as another um, earthly person currently, like you, you are, you are talking to what is beyond what Is seen. And so you're doing the work that really I feel like you know, obviously being part of the queer community is a great push of ours, is like, don't look at me as all of these limiting words. It's like don't look at me as a female. Hmm.
0: Be past that. See me for real.
1: Right. And we're, we're at a miss. And you know, I I battle being canceled I feel like every day (laughs) as somebody that there's just like this um, social justice warrior uh, going on in the queer community where they have no they have nothing but judgment for people and their past whereas where I, I just I am just here to offer people a different look at what it is that we're experiencing because we have been given we have been given words to describe what we are before we could use words at all. And the, it is a construct of you are in this box and you are in that box just like we're trying to create so many other boxes right now, right? It's like oh I'm this 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 but I use the, these and these pronouns, all of that kind of stuff, right? I well, want the,
0: to zoom into that more at some point too.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And though I think th- we are limiting ourselves in a more vast way. So it's like, okay, you put me on the right and the left and, or, or right or the left, right? But I'm not on sides and I'm more over here. And, So for me, let's say I was a non-binary person and I was like, okay, I don't wanna be put on either side. I want you to start seeing the in-between so that maybe if my goal wasn't for you to just make space for more queer people, it would be for me, my goal personally would be for you to make space for what is beyond In between and beyond the right and the left because think of even like politically the fact that we have to vote for a right side and a left side instead of just voting for somebody's actual views and you know like values is ridiculous it doesn't make any sense because there is no right and left right there is no separation we have created a separation so that we can better understand the world as black and white. And so what is happening right now is this emergence of the grays. And so now we have to give it a name. And I know and hope that at some point we won't have to give it a name, but right now we do because people don't understand. So it's like, all right, let me define the in-between. You know just simply because an assigned male at birth can't put a dress on. And now an assigned male at birth put a, puts a dress on and everyone's like, oh, are you non-binary or are you trans? And this straight cis person is just like, no, I actually just like wearing a dress. you know. So there's all of this gray area that because we've tried to understand the world and put it into all these different studies and boxes, we're having to, to build a bigger world of boxes, of more boxes, until there are no boxes. And it happens, to me it happens in other countries as well, but they don't pick, you know, like in India, there's there's a bit, like if I say that I'm gay, it's filled with um, stigma sometimes received well, sometimes not. There's a whole community of um, trans women that travel around and, get jobs at there's these like supposed mystic beings and they get jobs at weddings because they're supposed to be this like you know mystic um manifestation of these like in-betweens but they live on the street and they can't get jobs which is actually kerala is one of the first states in india to hire they have a new trans system and they hire like only these this trans community But that's one of the most wealthy and progressive states in all of India. But there's, so there's still, you can think of middle and nowhere anywhere. And the right and the left, the black and the white, the male or female exists wholly, right? And it's because they don't see the vastness of the world just because of isolation. You know, the income there is almost irrelevant. Just what is accessible because they're rural. So as far as I'm concerned, currently, we're in a deep growing pain with the physical um, understanding of self. And so while there, I felt like right before all of this, like, you know, really before the pandemic, all of the world was kind of waking up and ready for something new the fear of being dying the need to be shut in place and separate from people has emerged more of an addiction to self like i i love asana it's forever a love of mine but there was a while where i was addicted to asana and it kept me from the deeper layers of me it kept me from understanding my electric body in a deep way and the need for me to throw that out and take a break from that to be in breath and to be in meditation and to be in isolation was helpful for me to move past the physical body which I think is why I you know I'm kind of like a middle ground for a lot of people where I'm part of the queer community and I love them and their mission they're doing really great things for us and and my neighbors and I'm also a good bridge for those who don't fit into that box or that community because I want to see everyone in their experience and know that they're valid and that you should and could believe in whatever it is that you believe in right now until you don't. And I don't believe my deep beliefs that I know are right for me and the choices I've made based off of them are mine and right and true. That doesn't mean they are fact. It means that it is the code that I'm living by. But where we're going wrong is that we're shaming everyone for their beliefs and we're not listening which is creating a deeper divide and if anyone you know I'm not trying to get someone to come over to my side when they I get people all the time that'll you know get a hold of me and they'll be like hey what do you think about this that's going on right now I just want to know what your experience is all I share to them is my views and my experiences on things I don't tell them what they should do because it's none of my business you know I'm not a a surf in any way to tell people what to do with their lives i all i can do is explain my experience and my views behind it and that's kind of the like mess that i feel like we're going through right now in the physical and the non-physical like here's a an example i um had dreadlocks right for like 10 years and I grew up in Chicago. I have a very diverse group of friends. I've traveled the world. I'm a very lucky, privileged person. And um, my friends of color and my black friends have said on different occasions that they love my hair. Okay, and never thought about it before. I wasn't like I'm culturally appropriating this hairstyle. It literally just started when I moved to India in 2009. Didn't think anything of it, and then. I felt within me a need to shift out of this attachment to a a look maybe of mine that it just was, it felt like not mine. And that was simply it. And I got rid of it. Turned seven years later, six years later. And my friend who is a therapist, is dating somebody who is not and same-sex couple, and I had reached out to this person that my friend was dating uh, to just connect. I was like, "Hey, um, you're part of a group of friends that I know, and it'd be great to connect." I'm new in town. They never got back to me, and so, however much later, my friend is dating this person. And is I was like, oh, I know that person. I reached out to them and so told them this whole story. And later my friend says to me, oh, she didn't want to be friends with you because she saw in your profile that you had had dreadlocks at some point and she didn't want to be a white dread sympathizer. And <laughs> wow. um, And to me, like lower self Gianna is like, okay, you are a white cisgendered, you know, female presenting woman from Arizona. How many mistakes have you made in your life? And just because they're not on the internet doesn't mean that I don't, I shouldn't be shaming you, right? Or making you feel bad or dismissing you as a person. So why don't I just dismiss you for all the mistakes you've ever made? higher self Gianna is like wow that's really a judgmental thing of this person I will take note of that and know who I want to align with and who I don't um nobody has asked me to apologize for my for my hairstyle but I currently would never have them again because of what I'm in alignment with now which is just recognizing that I have certain privileges and um You know, black women, especially with dreadlocks, maybe don't in certain situations. And so I don't need them. You know, if that is, if that is an error at all, I don't need to align with possibly being misunderstood with that error. Simply it, you know, simply it, the deeper conversation there, um, to me is irrelevant to just that, that is a taste that I could be giving off. I don't need to do that. Um, But the judgment that arose because of that is just a small snippet of what is constantly being thrown out everywhere for every sort of view, appearance, um, title or not, right or left. That is like a small snippet, a small example of what is happening right now.
0: Man, what a wild world it is at the moment. <laughs> um, so I had this experience with a Siddha teacher, back in 2014. Um, and uh, one of the things he would say, he'd always speak in koans, basically. And, you know, like, what? I think, I, I don't, wait, what? He was like, we'll talk soon. Like, okay. Um, he's, one of the things I got from him, he said, If it is, then it must be. So why is it? And for me, what it translates to is like, the Akashic field is never mistaken. Evolution is always taking place. The outside world is, call it Maya, call it the garden, call it Eden, call it whatever we want to call it. But it's this reflection of where true self comes from. So... All right, let me reverse engineer the situation. I'm the Atma, the self, which I inextricably see as the same synonymous term as the Christo self or the crystal self or the Christed self or the Christ. I'm the Atma, I'm the soul self, and I'm in a body and I'm in a a, a, a geometry of society, a situation of society. I say geometry because it has angles, angles of perception that are different from ten years ago and fifty years ago. This geometry is currently hyper emphasizing a kind of hypersensitivity to the most subtle, nuanced aspects of physical identification, and um. Uh, I'm gonna pass the baton here in a second, but you see how I ask these questions without really asking any kind of questions, I just start circling things. Um, so Kali Yuga, Age of Aquarius. I, I see w- one of these things that I, I feel really is my calling is to speak about is the misunderstanding of autism. And I see, I see Christ as autistic. And most people that are in their highest bliss body are exhibiting some forms of autism that have become uh, not only maneuverable and integrative, but utilized efficiently and then potentially monetized. And that's where genius comes from. And also this funny etymology there of the genes of ISIS and this like unlocking of our uh, material, our material of our matter The the material ma'at, the wisdom of the matter, the um, you know, our akashic record basically, when we're fully embodied, it it's shining. And if you're really fully shining, you're kind of not really getting stuck in these small little nuanced pockets of like, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, what am I? You're kind of just like doing your fucking thing. And when these things happen, it's like, you know wow, the world's funny, keeping it moving. And I I hear your uh, density of speech and and angle of perception. Sidebar, you know, my my study has become what causes greatness. At at like 18, 19, I'm just wanting to, I want to act. I want to be in movies in LA and I make beats. And damn it, as soon as someone sees my last name, maybe like 75% of the time, they'd be like, oh, are you related? And I'd be like, fuck, yeah, I guess. Or, and I started saying no at some point. Um, fast forward to last year, I meet this guy named Kanye. And kind of like a mentor and closer and closer and closer degrees of separation. Watched Bruce Lee really vividly over the past 10 years. When you're really zero pointing in at this Dharmic frequency, the, the Maya is not really super affecting. The, the atma on fire, so to speak, that, that one, and to me, that's the whole idea of the cross, it lands on anahata, that person is, they are in devotion, they're, I am devotion, I'm not devoted, I'm the devotion, uh, the devotee, um, and then it's like every culture, every myth, every folklore has these stories about Babylon in some, in some way or form, where it's like these, these frequencies just debilitate each other by these, you know, my my shoes are better than yours. What the fuck are you talking about? Or or that's that's not the appropriate pronunciation. It's like, sorry. Well then now that you're sensitive, I'm gonna be more aggressive. It's like, geez, I wish I wouldn't have never. Um and even I had this beautiful talk with the brother that's a mentor and he lives in Bali right now and just a profound brother named Paradox. And I think he would identify as on the left side of things uh, with liberal, I think even potentially some socialism ideas and I love him he's a a beautiful brother and a mentor. Um, About a month ago my dad was on Joe Rogan's podcast I went with him, and I'm like watching Joe Rogan's quite a samurai question asker, he gives these opportunities for someone to show their level of awareness, without teaching. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And there is this thing that my dad does all the time, where he says don't ask why they're just evil or they're just stupid and it's always a dang how do I get through to that but I know that that represents that's just an avatar that represents a a large portion of the population that they don't really want to understand they would rather be right they don't want to get to the understanding point because that would that would be a higher frequency which uh, electromagnetically speaking to me that's that fourth ray bandwidth of anahata love radiance wanting to accept wanting to include not not looking for excuses to exclude which to me is like that swadhisthana manipura bandwidth that orange and yellow ray of this kind of try so all right one of the last baton moments um i have this line that keeps coming up and it's it's an essay and i don't know if it's a, a larger thing i have to write or what but the line is uh Tribalism is the ceiling to third density. Mm. And uh, another kind of subsect of that statement is racism is the ceiling of tribalism. And racism is pigment based tribalism. So it's visual based pigment tribalism. And this, I think, transfers into these other conversations about whether the gender and then how that might align with someone's like uh, comfort zone as to what society should be. Cause I feel like that is often what's all that's happening. It's like someone's desire to evolve is like rubbing up against someone else's comfort zone. And it's creating these ripples that are disturbing their preconceived notion of what reality is supposed to be. And now you're, you're wrong because you're disturbing and then they I, I mean how that clicks into things is, is a whole nother thing, but um, you know this process that, hmm. sorry,
1: that that to me, like you could see it happening on both sides, right? Somebody is um, somebody is coming up to something new, and um, let's say it's a, a straight man that doesn't know anything about, you know, the queer culture and and queer needs. And uh, they're being exposed to a non-binary person who is maybe femme presenting, but uses they, them pronouns. And so one comfort is bumping up against another comfort. And so there's an explosion there. Which side has grace is irrelevant but that is where we're working towards because it's everyone's comfort zone pushing against everyone's comfort zone. And so this is kind of where, this is where I am. I just am looking for grace in my world and in the world around me is where, where do we show grace and ask for grace? And how is it that, my need for others to understand me and my community, how how am I being um, understanding and having a conversation with it rather than being aggressive and accusatory? And it happens on the other side. It's just, just that the other side has been louder and bigger for a longer time. You know, where I remember when my before I came out to my my nanny died before I was um, before I think maybe just after I was or before I was married. And she didn't know that I had a wife until everyone knew that I was getting married. So before this, the reason I didn't tell her was because of her activity, just racist Italian culture. she said all of this weird stuff like Chaz Bono didn't happen when I was a kid. But it was happening and it's been happening. It's just part hidden. of hmm.
0: It was just hidden, it was suppressed. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so that reaction puts off a certain alarm in people like me who are maybe not out to everyone at the time, right? And so in that alarm, it's a safety thing where it's not safe for me to be who I am here. And the other the other side is experiencing the same thing, but their discomfort in not understanding what is not them is alarming a safety thing. They... Key
0: phrase. That's a powerful phrase there. What is not them is alarming them.
1: Exactly. And if either side can be, can embrace the other side with grace and understanding the, like, how many, how many people do you know that, you know, especially in these older generations that have said things like, um, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not racist because my husband is, you know, Indian or something like that. And this like attachment to our one thing that is not us, doesn't mean that we understand a whole culture, but it means that we, I guess, are starting to either see beyond what um, stereotypes or something we didn't understand or couldn't understand um, could be or. Um, you know, or I have like in my family, I was in Chicago for the holidays and my brother said something, my brother-in-law said something to my sister about, oh, oh, that's your black friend, right? And so these words that we use othering of some, like not that's your friend, you wouldn't say that's this guy, wouldn't say that, oh, that's your white friend, but they'll say it too, oh, that's your black friend, right? And my sister was like, yeah, can you maybe not talk like that in front of the kids? You know? Um, and so this kind of like separation, but you know, this like, oh, I have this this one redeeming person over here that's making it so that I, you know, this person's making it okay that I don't understand that other thing.
0: You, you drilled the, another signal into this thing that I was already starting to ask about, which is like, Uh, Okay, so the other thing is almost like it announces a lack of universality. It actually announces an echo chamber uh, Mm -hmm. that's invisible, but it basically announces the reality that they don't, they're not familiar enough with outsider peoples or outsider realities, or it's another world, it's another genre, and it actually kind of announces their their limited awareness of, of the world um so it's a kind of it's kind of an alarm of ignorance it's like it's an it's a oops didn't want to point at how how unworldly you were but this is kind of the implication now um so i want to zoom this into like straight up akashic field siddha site on how does this land with the yuga because we're talking about getting hypersensitive to seeing psychological identity is expressing as, as, as like, we're becoming sensitive to words. We're becoming sensitive to, um, I mean, literally it has to do with hidden sexual identity complexes that, that have been there. Um, there's all these different old, old, old looks and, and depictions of uh, same sex, same sexuality, um, you know, uh, tantric stuff, you know
1: yeah part male part female chest
0: and androgynous stuff um non-binary stuff Mm -hmm. meaning for me I see that as non-duality stuff so that to me also looks like electromagnetically the wobble from any any bandwidth the more it tightens up the more it gets tighter and then pops into another bandwidth Mm -hmm. um this is like how electrons literally Encircle, you know, particles. This is how they work, and then the faster, and that's another bandwidth. That's how red turns to orange in these different color spectrums. Oh, it's technically the the lessening of a wobble, and it climbs up. And there's something that's evolutionary about what's happening, and it makes, um, I mean, we're talking about baby boomers. We're talking about these generations that were institutionalized into a reality through the matrix through maya but they were taught that it was benevolent they were taught that like americana was you know white picket fence is for good you're you're good it's good this good for you good and this like disruption of that algorithm is is it's like disorienting for them um
1: Yeah. And that's like, look at the systems that, so we're, we're being disruptive in the systems that aren't being disrupted. You know, like the problem is, is like the baby boomers have constructed an existence for us systematically. Like think of when did the credit score become a thing? You know, it's like in the, in the 1900s, like this is a recent thing for us. Why are we, Why, like we can't, we are limited by the system itself. And so while we're underneath trying to like break up the system in these very rudimentary ways, like nothing nothing huge really, like the whole thing needs to be blown up. We are limited to the world that we're in until those systems erupt. You know, the white picket fence is not everyone's desire anymore, and people don't think that you're valuable when you have some sort of perfect family. Vulnerability has broken that dream, you know.
0: Man, th- that that word vulnerability is uh, super key. Towards uh, I'm gonna send you this video because it's a, it's a huge reference. Uh, I keep mentioning it to people because I think it's so so reflective on these these tribalistic kind of identity complexes. But the the word vulnerability. To me, connects to intimacy and these, uh, all these things that we're talking about, whether it has to do with sexuality or emotional sensitivity, it kind of connects to vulnerability, and then intimacy with how intimate any particular person is with themselves. They are able to be with others, but this happening in society is like, and I see this as the end of Pisces. I see these actual like constructs as having like particle identity in them and i've i've said it in in kind of passing uh, amongst a bit more of a shamanic posture of like yeah that's a piscean complex or that's like a saturn construct um yeah that's not going to be here on the other side and it takes some unpacking but it's basically like the quantum mechanics of those structures are outdated and they're being pushed forward through these heart-based evolutionary urges it's like the so the souls that are here that are like what's this ceiling for it's like oh what's well, there for your protection and then were are like man but you can't see the sunset well we don't we don't need that because there's there's hail once in a while and you know there's there's dangers you trust me you, you want the ceiling there and then there's these souls that are like percolating in this waiting waiting room and we're like nah that's all that's I think that's your I think your lens is getting in the way of you seeing clearly Like, no, trust us. The ceiling needs to be there. And then at some point it turns into a riot and somebody's like putting a shovel through the roof and then we're climbing, we're putting a ladder and then we're like actually adding a rooftop deck and a party system. Um, It's kind of a a harsh left turn segue on on this while it's happening. Can you press play on that video that I just sent you? Hmm. Because this is something that has been happening really, really... Interestingly, I'm in Texas right now. I'm in Waco and yeah, I, you know, I've seen, you play it and we'll talk.
1: Go ahead and finish what you're saying.
0: Well, well, it's just a quick video for those listening. Ex-yoga instructor tells all, is yoga demonic? Um, just play like, I mean, as much as you can stand, maybe 10, 20 seconds. Is it actually something to be concerned about or is it a bunch of just paranoia from these religious Christians thinking everything's demonic? Well, let me tell you, two years ago, I was a certified yoga instructor with hundreds of hours of training, and it was my passion. My passion was healing. My passion was helping people heal. And little did I know I was deceived, and not until I was saved by Jesus Christ did I know that, whoa, yoga is a whole different animal. This isn't just stretching and and physical exercise. If you truly follow yoga, the spiritual path of yoga, the word yoga is to be yoked with to be united with and in the ancient texts of hinduism the vedas and the bhagavad
1: gita which is like the hindu bible talks about being yoked with the
0: universal consciousness it's all about merging your soul with the universal consciousness now most people going to yoga studios doing yoga have no idea about this you don't you don't need to watch the whole thing
1: i have so many questions already um
0: i think you should go first because i have plenty more to say or maybe I say why I've sent this to you.
1: Okay. Yeah, please.
0: So a month ago, my mom sends me a 40 minute version of this. And she says, please watch this. I watched 10 seconds and I vomited in my mouth. I'm like, why are you, why? Please tell me why I can't. It's, it's outrageous. She's like, please just watch the whole thing. I was like, are you implying that you believe what he's saying? She's like, I don't know about you Rocco, but please watch this. I'm like, mama, what are you saying? This is, she's like, please watch the whole thing. And we'll talk. I was like, the video is almost a form of psychosis. I can't watch it. It's it's insanity. And this guy doesn't understand yoga. The longer one he's talking about Taoism is uh is from this uh, uh this Chinese demon that they call his universal consciousness. They say that the Buddha is a uh, uh, there's nothingness and that there is no soul and it's in a way to evaporate your soul into nothingness and they claim that it's good. And I'm listening. I'm like, all right before I get triggered and lose insight, what am I hearing tribally? Like what's happening here? Why is this? Um, and shout out to this brother. Yo, Everett Roth, is that your name? I would love to talk to you. This is a video on YouTube for those watching. Um, this, this, is the, this is the homie right here. Check it out. He's got a lot of content and 360,000 views, 4,000 comments, all of them. I, ha- I, I took some time because to me, this is like, this is a collective trauma moment mm. that is, that is intensifying and amplifying disconnect, mm-hmm. distortion, and uh, separation consciousness. It's, this is, to me, I see this and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a Saturn construct from Pisces that is trying to grab souls into this tribal identity to say, yeah, you're right, you're right, that's bad. It's like the scene from Beauty and the Beast where they're like, yeah, burn them. And it's like, I can just see images of like Salem witch trials and you're right, it's evil, burn them. And there's like, they're they're emotionally triggered into the sensation of being right, that this thing that they don't understand really, now someone that claims to understand is giving them that word of confirmation that this other stuff is woo woo, bad stuff bad 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 guys too bad no and it 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 thickens the walls of their electromagnetic and i use that word really specifically because to me it's like energy that then is like from their attention that creates a bubble of reality that's an echo chamber for them to keep their same narrative and it pushes out the world and it and it says y'all are all wrong but we're just going to talk about it amongst ourselves as opposed to like hey, do we have this right? Can someone let us know if we have this perception?
1: How, how often does this happen? You know, like with people's art, with their music, with their their um, homes, you know, like, oh, that's an all black house with a skull outside, like those are devil worshippers or whatever, you know, like, that like all of these things, we we put this like that's bad on, or that's wrong, or they're going to hell, or even with gay pe- people, you know, where it's like, you're going to hell if you're a gay person. And so now it's a it's just a bunch of hellions existing, which is like why a lot of artists will embrace this kind of idea of the title that's been put on them because they're gay or because they're, you know, it's like, fine, you you think I'm going to hell? Like, Take me. Out, this is what it's like there, you know. And we're having embracing, a
0: goddamn- em, embracing the rebel because to try to convince them that you're not that is almost impossible. So fuck it, I'll do with that.
1: Right. And to me, like for this person, the the they have a little bit of like that dead deadening in the eye, uh, you know. Totally
0: somatically. The, the nerve the nervous system is is on some kind of a robotic thing.
1: Right, which I see happen in fanaticism over anything when you get really deep into a hole of something it's really easy for it to be the like the only thing that you think about and try to convince other people of and and that's to me where like this person has a lot of content to me that's a red flag like they're lost they're probably to. Press, they found solace and, you know, maybe they were shunned from the community or in some way. And so they found some sort of safe haven in this new construct that they've created for themselves and others. And so that's, what's keeping them safe right now. Like to, the way that I move through the world is I'm part of everything. Like that is also me. This guy is also me. That guy is also me. That guy is also me. You know, these people are all Part of me that is possible for myself, and so how can instead of being so fully immersed in this one ideal, how can I allow myself to be a healthy part of the reality that's around me because it's also mine? You know, I'm my. I think of like you know the last like really big medicinal trip I did. It was like all of me was bumping up against all of these other lives that I had. And there was this certain, um, it was one of the ones that made me realize I'm probably not, energetic or emotionally stable enough to make a child because the, um, comfort that I felt in my bubble and my existence and my lines, just simply bumping with somebody else and like molding with theirs, but not actually intertwining and like creating another being was safety almost, you know? And so that's a whole other story.
0: Psilocybin?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that kind of idea that even I go to the gas station, say, and I pay for my petrol, and I have a nice interaction with somebody there. The way that my bubble bumped up against their bubble changed the vibration of their bubble in some way, right? And then I went along in what some way, and my colors are still existing in their bubble right? And they can be positively charged or negatively charged, you know, energy is just energy and somebody else's kind of title of what that color was is their own um, prerogative or, you know, because of their lens. And so this kind of like, to me, this looks like somebody that is triggered and that was triggered at some point, right, was set off. And so the need to find a whole group of, or a whole, whole scene of wellness, to like take group a whole um, ancient tradition into a negatively charged title because now you've seen your truth and it can't possibly be, it, it needs to be more than these other people's truths. Is this like negative bumping up of bubbles or that bubble originally bumped up negatively against theirs. So the color that they didn't like stuck with them. So they have created their own echo chamber to feel comfortable in. And this happens with everything. It happens with vaccines, it happens with science, it happens with cultures, it happens with genders, it happens with sexuality, it happens with every single thing, right? There are extremists in everything and to me, even if you're an extremist with like religion or whatever like you know your your sadhguru is in, isn't changing his clothes and going home and like partying on the weekend or whatever like he's an extremist you know like in it like these people that are so in whatever it is in they can be bumping up negatively and some of sadhguru's information does bump up negatively against certain people just depending on the lens that's seeing it happens to all of us right and so to me that's like i love i love cult mentality great you know a lot of people find a home and a family in there that never could tribes you know all that like it takes a tribe to raise a child or whatever, you know, like a family being a part of a community to raise the next generation, like that is tribe mentality. And the to me, the bigger problem is how the tribe bumps up against another tribe and what colors are being left there. Is it a bumping and an impacting with some sort of, Desire to grow and succeed, or is it a bumping with aggression that's asking for someone to get into your bubble? You know, like I went to this—I was probably twelve or something—and I went to this um, summer camp with a friend of mine who was Methodist, and showed up without any. You know, she was just like, "It's really fun. We like, you know, playing the snow and blah blah." And I was like, "Okay, great." We had small groups, and this woman who was a person of color, like, you know, it wasn't just this like all white echo chamber of like anti-culture, but in Chicago. And she was, or this was outside the city. And she was um, talking about how she was emailing with a Muslim woman about how she's following the wrong God and needed to become a Christian. At, in order to you know, be um, saved, right? Definitely. And so her mission was to save other people. And this is, think of an unsuspecting Muslim, a very sweet, say young person just existing, has their culture, has their religion, has their faith and spirituality, not doing anything aggressive. And then someone just sees that you're wearing a uh, traditional clothing and needs to change whatever you are existing in that to me is not seeing, not seeing somebody else's bubble and allowing it to see the difference and honor the difference. To me, it's seeing another bubble and needing to pop it and pick people out to come into yours.
0: What can we Succinctly call
1: that. I don't know.
0: It's or even from a practitioner's lens of like, you know, say we just bumped bubbles and we're in a village in the Himalayas, circa you know, ten BC or whatever, and we're like writing and just for the sake of articulation and an academic acknowledgement, you know, like. Uh, salamba sarvangasana term posture science compression understanding great fantastic moving forward not overdwelling just an acknowledgement with clarity for for communication sake and communication's sake for understanding understanding for unity
1: mm-hmm.
0: understanding for coherence right right yeah that makes sense everybody for sure, mm-hmm. great. Moving forward. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I have this conversation about all of these different topics because I've had some DMT released from my pineal gland and it's like connect dots, experience understanding on moments where there are disconnects. Mm-hmm. Um there's this movie called uh Okja, and it's this dude has a tattoo, says a uh, translation is sacred i'm definitely getting that tattoo
1: because i
0: feel like that's really what my dharma is in this particular frequency is like i just want understanding and i don't feel like it's too much of an ask Mm -hmm. so from from two adept practitioners this thing that we're looking at and we're talking about bubble bouncing i mean Sadhguru is walking through you know a village and i've been in his field twice now Mm -hmm. um and it's glorious it's 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 buoyantly positively affecting you can see its effects its effects are undeniably positive it's incredibly service to others oriented um do you have context with the teachings of ra the law of one Mm -mm. there's this phenomenal book that was basically you know channeled from these phd folks in the 70s and they like literally did this audition to find the best channel and they did the whole thing in this it's like I, I think it's one of the most distilled metaphysical teaching compressions in in existence in this in this incarnation. Um, talks about a lot of yogic stuff, but also Egypt Egypt Egyptology, kind of uh, Christ, Buddha, all these different things. And they're basically just PhD doctors asking this extraterrestrial essence, like, "What about this? What about that?" And it's all of it. It's scientific. It's profound, um, and it lines up with all this um yogic understanding science-based science-based electromagnetic densities as the i am presence gets rooted in different uh sentient beings and that expresses itself as psychology and that expresses itself as persona in particular ways that can be identified just in the same way that you could say like okay that's a bear and that's a deer these are different amalgamations of consciousness that yeah there's 15 bears they look alike they behave similar they're connected similar genus species whatever just for the sake of interfacing with nature and it's like when i look um for context i'm i'm here at this ranch and it's like i look out here i see water i see grass i see sky they're they've organized into these gradients because this is the nature of things this is perfect perfect stuff is happening right there and we talk about these concepts of human social psychological spiritual concepts and it's like what i'm super interested in having these ah right type of moments because i do in my heart know that these um whether it's dude here or um left and writers or black and whiters or um, him and hers or they and them's, or it's all these things happening and it's like this this evolution of society is happening um, this book I know I'm hitting a bunch of different notes right now there's this book I saw is some yogi dude out in LA and it's called the, the transition to the fourth ray and he was like that's technically what's happening and we'll be experiencing that for a while then we'll move into this technological world where we're going to be moving more and more into the digital space and I was like yeah, that's that sounds about right. Most are third density based. Most are functioning from this Manipura, but not really integrated Manipura. I see it sometimes like uh, electromagnetically, groups contain similar trauma, trauma complexes. So it's like someone's Vishuddhi and, um, or sorry, Ajna and... Um, like Svaristana, so their, their, their sex and their vision is really activated, but their identity and their heart's not activated. So it looks like fantasy sexualization stuff, boom, that's a complex and that kind of amalgamates together. Um, tribally, that happens in all kinds of different complexes and all kinds of different uh, combinations of different energy centers that are super active and others that are underactive. Um, Are you familiar with Terrence McKenna's work? Mm -mm. Um, Anthropologically, I think, is a really fun way to approach all of it, because that's super integrative. It's super like, have you looked into anthropology much?
1: Yeah.
0: I think that's like, almost like a yoga of the growth of society.
1: Sure.
0: And it's like, snowballs always just gather. They're not comprised of what they're made up of for no reason. And when I see, um, all right, interesting segue, but feels right. Um, So I see all my sensitivities. I thought I was gay for a while and I had to explore same sexuality, realize that wasn't my predominant leaning, but I realized that why it was shaky for me was because of the way that I saw this extreme alpha male testosterone volcano happening and I was like whoa that in itself is disorienting I found myself as this reflection of the opposite way um I see when a uh my, my beloved and I had a talk about it recently of like what is it in the Akashic field when a family has uh call it a disabled person in the family why is that Akashically and I actually didn't even think about that until just now speaking it. I feel like you have some stuff to point on about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Akashically, it's like, well, that soul and that soul came into bodies as no different than a trunk, tree trunk here, branch still containing it. But now these fruits are the expressions at the end when really same family. So Akashic field speaking, this group of people, this group of people they can be brought up and seen as coming from a similar root and I think that's where this tribalism conversation is really on the tip of my heart because I think that's the way to move into understanding it and not wanting to make so-and-so wrong for having his christian stuff or or um you know or playboy cardi who's on tour right now and really the only art direction is just upside down crosses and you know hey sold out every show okay. um so yeah, tribalistically allows understanding, but it's like it's a reflection of where we haven't been integrated. And um, I know I just put a bunch in a Jamba Juice blender, but I'm gonna finish it here in a second. Um, so I, I said the the handicap moment in a family
1: mm-hmm. and, I was,
0: and I was speaking on a larger kind of population situation, which not to say that h- handicap is like a, a term that can just be thrown over everything as a blanket statement but um it's interesting that I bet you different sides of the situation would probably try to throw that at other sides in an attempt to say that something is underdeveloped and something is overdeveloped and that's what's lacking to that's what's preventing the connection that's what's preventing the understanding but in a family it's different at least I see it because there's this inclusivity that says yeah but they're part of us so it's ours they're what not able to do, say it again, what they are not able to do, I must therefore be able to do because I love them. And my love compels me to aid them in what they can't do. What they can do, that's for them. And it's like this idea of a tree growing towards the sun and then one limb, I don't know if this is how trees behave scientifically, but like the limb sending energy to this other place where maybe the nourishment or the nutrients or the strength isn't as prominent but because this branch got a little more sunlight and it's the one that happened to grow you know southwest and this is where the sunlight's hitting and this one grew a bit northwest and that's where less sun is hitting there's this um which is almost sounds like i'm starting to talk about socialism but i'm not like a redistribution of this energy
1: Right. To me, you, when you have a vine and one of the leaves is turning yellow, you don't need to pick off the yellow leaf because, you know, the rest of it is actually sucking nutrients from that one. So it's actually still beneficial, even though it's turning.
0: And there's an interesting, uh, apparently this is like a real thing in um, gardening where it's like if a flower is dying, you'll clip it and snip it. And that actually allows growth to happen faster. Um mm-hmm my pops who yeah, runs a ranch as, as a business, but also as a a, a means of feeding him himself and family. Um, he talks about harvesting the, the weaker animals that are already kind of showing signs that they won't, they might not actually survive on their own. And so by doing so, uh, it, it almost stimulates the environment in a positive way towards, um, kind of like allowing those nutrients to go elsewhere. So say that's human man with, with gun or bow doing that, say that's nature causing one vine to fall off and fall, mm-hmm. saying that's nature causing socioeconomic economic party to like become less and less relevant over the course of like a hundred years, mm-hmm. saying that's also anthropologically happening over the course of a hundred years or even a thousand years of a certain style of psychology becoming less and less relevant, less and less functional. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but we don't do this with humans you're not going to see a weakest link of the tribe and kill them off.
0: That's called genocide.
1: Exactly. And, you know, this is why when I've actually had this exact same thought um, during a deep kind of um, spiritual sit, where it was like, you know, so my, um, both my parents have passed from different neurological conditions. My dad was not he had als and it was not genetic and my mom had huntingtons which is horribly genetic all of her siblings have died her um extended line is gone and my older sister has it and we've all been tested and whatnot so i was in the you know i was like what is it for her that she needed to have this now that? And I didn't, you know, there's, I think one of the family things or the tribal things that happens is like, you have these really specific people and circumstances to relate to immediately while you're in your tribe, before you go out and kind of find your own or, you know, disperse that from your your necessity. And the reflection of that throughout my life has been constant and formative. And for me, it's been a great lesson in knowing how I want to live my life without the impeding fear of losing it in a way that I already saw. Meaning I watched my mom die in this very specific way. My sister already knows in the very specific way she's going to pass. My younger sister is a neuroscientist and does clinical research with Huntington's and Parkinson's patients. And she, I mean, they're also healthy eating, all that kind of like nothing stops Huntington's from killing you. And, you know, they've even done gene clipping, like the CRISPR thing, all that kind of stuff. And it just starts repeating again is just brutal. Wow. And For her, I don't know what that is like to know, to have seen exactly how you're going to die. But And I ride motorcycles. I've seen people die on motorcycles. I've seen friends go down, I've gone down. And that because I ride as a means of transportation, I have a 50-50 chance of dying that way. We don't know, right? So it's been a gift to have these different things in my life that have been ways to see, show me that death is just part of life. There's these crested cacti in, in Arizona, in the Sonoran desert that you, they're saguaros, but they have this mutation that at the top, they like flower. They're like these flat kind of like spread out tops of these saguaro cacti. So they're not a flower. It's part of them. The way that they're distributing water in their skeleton is this like warped, beautiful, you know, like spread. And there's all different degrees of this mutation. And we seek these where it's when you see one, it's like, like, well, you know, you're in awe and you just like sit in the beauty of this demented plant, because it's so different and special. The plant itself is not trying to kill itself because it's different. It is, you know, with a leaf or a lit like you can, okay, a tree, a lit, you can cut off a finger when it's trying to kill you. You are the tree. You are not the leaf. Right. So you cut off the finger that is dying, that might end up getting inf- infected and kill you so that now I don't have a finger, but I have my life. Right. It's like when you're dying. I remember watching my dad die and his finger is getting, you know, the the blood starts just staying close to the center of you for your vital organ health to keep you alive more. It doesn't need you don't need your arms right now. We're just keeping the organs good. Right. And so this like awe of this being that is different in a way that in a field of regular Saguaro cacti, you're just like beelining to that one thing is like you said with autism, like these people that have been gifted these really immediate lessons where it's like, this is your karma or this is your gift. Why are you treating your gift as your enemy? And so these different kind of like, things that we've deemed ill or wrong or you know on the outskirts of you can see as a gift as well because just how any of us have really specific features that we you know like or don't like it's the same just manifested in an acceptable or not acceptable or in hindering or not non-hindering way so I had to change my framework, you know, where it's like, this is a hard and long journey that my sister is on, that my mom was on. My my mom was sick for 25 years. And for the last, say, 10 of that, we were just moving her from, you know, bed to bed. And when it got to be her last days, she had left her body. We saw it. Her breath got really rapid. She was shedding tears. And by the time she passed, the, the only things she could say was, I love you and asshole, which is her. She <laughs> just her in a nutshell. But that kind of like she wasn't, you know, talking to us about, oh, it's time, you know. And so I we saw we were there. We were present for it. But the body kept living. She'd breathe a breath a minute or every two minutes for two days. And we definitely thought about just dosing her. You know, my sister was like, we could just, you know, give her a bunch of morphine and she'll just be done with it. And I was like, we can't do that. She did, she one didn't ask for that, and two came this far in her journey. 25 years of being ill to like not see it all the way through on her own would have been taking her power it felt like and to me that is it's just a reframing of our circumstances like why is it showing up that my karma is that I have to be in this right now and it's like wow I get to be in this right now and so what am I going to do with this So that kind of like in the construct that we're in, hopefully the tribe that you're in is in allowance of that where they're like, I have space to love more because you're not being shown love in this way or whatever it is. And then this person receives love in this way. And when hopefully they move past those zero to seven, you know, these like deep needs for support, these deep needs for development and, and grasp of spirituality, you know, like I was saying earlier, this like need to be instilled with spirit after you start getting out of this like um, physical attachment time in your life. If you have that, when you go out into these like so societal frameworks that we haven't yet disposed of, you know your value because you are connected to spirit and you know that everything that's different about you is a gift and that you're able to live in that alignment and then give others the allowance to do the same.
0: (laughs) That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, This term popped up from uh my mentor in the Shipibo shaman training I did um the word is uh shatana I think that's it Shatana, sh- 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 and it basically means dark teaching or teaching from darkness like literally the wisdom from pain or the wisdom from a just shitty event or trauma that if we look at it as other than us that it's attacking us or that it's preventing us from being us that it's not integrating it and it's excluding it but if we can add this framework algorithm that says no it happened it's happened for a reason let me take whatever time is required to digest that reason and the word extract here feels maybe aggressive but yeah extract what what that teaching is in it um i hear you doing that i hear you that you have done that in in your framework it's it's inclusive it's like you can't see trauma as for no reason i can imagine um which i'm sure allows you to be very integral with like any type of person that comes to you for anything really
1: um yeah there's um I've been working with the dying and like death doula work and, um, with others in preparation for, not even preparation for rather just in confronting the fear of death and people have such a varied level of pain in their life or not a varied level. They have the same amount of pain almost but such varied reasons for it. And I think if, if we can figure out how to not attach to the reason and just see that the pain is in existence, then we can use that to see God as well. Because you, what, you don't know joy if you don't know pain or sadness, right? This is like spectrum, full feeling, full existence living has all of it. And so, you know, there's yes, we need to know our intersectionalities to know how we're um, impacting other people's lives or how we've our ancestors have impacted other people's lives. But when you just see the God in people or when you just see and listen to other people's pain, it doesn't matter, you know, how you're showing up in this life at the core of it, you're feeling the same way I am, you know, it's become so basic or all hated to be a man to be a woman to not be a certain amount of marginalized it's been stigmatized to be regular or something like this and to me that is our inability to really hear others and to really be heard for our truth you know it's like, I I have to tell you what I am, what pronouns I use and all these different things because of my pain. But let's just talk about the pain, you know? Um, and the other things are necessary too. But when you just take them away, we are experiencing the same thing. You know, It I have very, my best friend is a straight man and he is, has his own series of pains. And he's very aware of how he shows up in the world. He does come from, you know, a, a low income Hispanic family, but has a white presenting life and is a priv- has a great job, has lots of privileges, but his pains in the way that, you know, we're bandmates and the way that he expresses himself or gets to work through his trauma like it is beautiful and vulnerable and received, and he doesn't he doesn't walk up to people and um, apologize for being this white presenting man; he just is a good person that is willing to express himself and be passionate and that is changing the people that can do that in whatever form they're in is changing the need or ch- yeah changing the need to demonize these different identities you know cuz it's not it's not wrong to be who you are whether you're you know the most or the least marginalized person in the world The need is to listen to each other and change what the stigmas are behind those things, because they are stigmas, you know, and our actions are what are changing those. Our ability to see that we are more than the physical form, that we are necessary, our stories are necessary and beyond that is necessary, you know, because we were gifted all of those things in this lifetime. So they all deserve our attention.
0: I hear you pointing at like the stigmas are the generalities, but the details are in the story and in like learning from kind of like the collective pain, but also we can't really can't can't bypass our own pain the more the more something like the more deeply we interface and understand and integrate our own pain and and learn how to live in it or with it or through it the more we can interface with the world in that way and and cause others to not feel marginalized because it's like i guess this is we're talking about the development of empathy like the development of compassion on some kind of i mean this is unity consciousness like you're alive you're walking i don't actually need to know everything that you've been through but i can feel you and in that in itself I love you and I I feel that you have strength and that you've been through something and so through that alone you get my respect and you get my kindness and I don't have to put a projection onto you to compartmentalize you into my mind to say that you must be like x y and z that you look like or that I feel like you seem like right
1: yeah yeah exactly
0: um I feel like we're towards the uh the outro here pretty soon. If if you had like an ending soliloquy, it feels like we pointed at a bunch of really powerful stuff, but I, I feel this powerful medicine that you you carry with you along the lines of like enlightenment through pain, like enlightenment through the wisdom of suffering and and this and the wisdom of suffering and trauma as an indication or a reflection of who we really are and not wanting to bypass that but but integrate that any uh, any closing statement around that
1: yeah um whether whether it's that you broke your pelvis in a major accident or You have a hangnail that's causing you grief in a day. The impact or the pain is the same. It hurts and it's disrupting your daily chill. And there's value in both of those experiences, no matter how big they manifest or small. The willingness to... Learn from them and let them impact your day, and witness your reaction to them is the process. And one of the things that I do in my teachings, as far as yoga asana goes, or you know, even pranayama and meditation, is let yourself hit the first blockage right up to it and note that breaking anything feels like something and know that that is just a door or a wall that you're breaking to get to the next thing, which is going to feel like something again, right? So whether it's somebody else coming up to us that is instilling that sort of sensation of discomfort, or it's our own bodies or minds that are bringing us discomfort, there is a lesson to be learned so that we can pass to the next thing, whether it's the next stage of our life or death or, you know, expansion, whatever it is. And I don't know, I guess people say like alchemizing darkness into light. And um, to me, it's all just energy. And we put the title on the energy. It's negative. It's positive. It's valuable. It's not valuable. It's your energy. It's not mine. To me, it's just energy. And so if we can be in flow with just how energy is moving us, then we will be in flow, whether it is comfortable or uncomfortable. You know, the attachment to these big dopamine releases and to comfort in some way is keeping us from the beauty that is the oneness, this idea that we're pulled from the same loin in some way. And so, you know, I welcome people to walk into that discomfort and the efforts in doing so willingly is allowing us to have grace in all of these different manifestations of us because joy and sadness are just as useful.
0: I feel like that's a, a main key word I've, I've heard in this however many minutes we've been zooming in on this is uh is grace and kind of like you can't really force that in any way you, you you cut it or crumble it you can't you can't force your way into a graceful breakdown you can't force your way into um that's an interesting kind of capstone to that as a question is do you feel like it has to be sought out those blocks those those things like i think it's fair to say that there are some people who are running away from their blockages. And there are others who are maybe they found that the more they look at their blockages, the more they're free. Do you feel like that's part of the equation of of kind of cultivating one's gracefulness in life is by addressing it or by letting it come to you?
1: I think it depends. Some of us have just circumstantially ended up in a space that we don't confront ourselves often because of whether it's because of where we live or you know what we have access to or you know like I think if you are a really wealthy person that has um, access to really amazing things and never has to think twice about what they're buying, to travel to a country and see somebody living another way or travel to the lesser, you know the lower income areas of your own state or city, to see what people are living differently, are living like, it's you know like the Buddha. It's a necessary aspect of uh, perspective to help us see where our um, life has limited us and how we can grow and use what we have. So in some cases, yeah, some of us, they're thrown at us like, you know, machine gun. It's just like, all right, all right, all right, you know. And some of us, they come up and they end up really disrupting our lives because it's the first time we've seen something like that in our lives. And it's, well, it feels like a lot. Um, but to actively try to be comf- uncomfortable, um, sure. For some of it, even if it's just getting on your mat and putting yourself in a position that you haven't accessed ever before it it's literally what you're doing in asana every day or in meditation so yeah just the way that it needs to happen can be different i think depending on us yeah
0: like a, a graceful real-time adjustment to whatever's most helpful
1: right yeah mm-hmm.
0: man wow thank you for this time today thank you for Um, diving in all these different subjects and illuminating all that we did and um yeah any last uh kind of spotlight or lamp glow that you want to point anything that you're working on or any projects you're releasing soon that you want to bring attention to or or highlight
1: Um, sure i am gonna do an in-person um week of advanced asana in tucson in the summer and so those details will be out and it'll be partnered with some subtle body stuff like meditation and pranayama practice um and then we are going to do an india retreat in 2022 but otherwise i'm again i'm in transition and hoping probably in the next three years to fully um be fully realized in a a different way. So, I guess just um uh, await and see.
0: Beautiful. And everything can be found on Instagram and website. It's a good place yeah. to find you.
1: gianayoga.com and that's my Instagram as well. Gianni Yoga.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much again.
1: Always good to share space.
0: Likewise. Um I sense there's more to come and until that happens, uh sync soon.
1: Blessings. Blessings.